everybody. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, my name is Jim, if I haven't met you before, and super glad you're here. Um, before, before we dive into stuff, thanks Lisa, before we dive into stuff today, I, I wanted to piggyback on something Bill said, just about that, that mission that we want to have in the community around us. You guys have to know that what we're looking at this coming year for 2018-19 is that we would actually, I think to this point, this church four years in has served this community. We are looking to blow the doors off that this next year. We, we are looking to take it to a totally new level. I mean, we are so committed to that, and we think we've got some stuff that we've been talking about that is going to do that. We are going to need your help. We're going to need us as a community to pitch in and do that so that we are blessing this place like you cannot believe. Uh, I want to give you one kind of cool example that happened this last week. Um, we, we got a call from the city of Louisville, and they asked us if they could come in and have their economic forum here in our building. So last week, we had uh, the city's economic developer, the mayor, uh, five of the seven city council people were here, uh, the city manager was here, the head planner was here, uh, and just Dozens and dozens of people that own businesses in Louisville all came and were right here in the building discussing the future of economics in the city of Louisville. How awesome is that that that's happening in the church? <laughs> I mean, that is the best, right? That, that's what we want to see happen. And so, we, guys, we are committed to the welfare of the city, and I'm telling you, there are really good things in store this next year, and I hope... I hope your ears will be really open and you might be open to what God wants to do through you uh, this next year as we get there this fall, okay? All right, um, I want to um, talk today a little bit. Here, here's what I want to tee up with you. I mentioned last week that uh, there was a survey done that talked to, got, gosh, got, I think, responses from over half a million people about how they grow what was important to them in their walk with God. Uh, one of the questions that was asked to them was, what is the number one thing that you want from your church? If you could name anything, what is it that you want from the church? Number one thing. The response that came back most often in the survey was, the number one thing I want, I just want to understand how do I actually have a relationship with God? How do I actually, in practice, have a relationship with Jesus? And um, for some of us, you know, maybe, maybe you come to church and you hear lofty ideas, or you've been in church a long time, you hear all kinds of theological concepts, and you're just like, okay, that's fine, but how do I actually do this? How do I grow this relationship? Maybe you feel like you're somebody who comes into a community like this. This can happen so easily, and I hope it doesn't happen here, but it can happen so easily that you can come into a community where you feel like everybody around you is like, yay God, and I, man, it feels like everybody has this great relationship with God, and inside you know that you don't, or you know inside that you feel like you're far away from God, and you feel like everybody else gets it, and you're like missing somehow, and you start to either question yourself or you start to pretend you don't want to speak up because you're afraid of rejection that could lead to shame. And so you just kind of live into this kind of false thing of pretending like maybe 
you feel like you know who God is and it feels like everybody around, else around you is living in that. Man, we do not want that here. We want this to be an authentic community where people are going, man, this is where I struggle. This is how I know God. This is where I feel like I'm nowhere in the ballpark. Like that, that is so important. But today what we want to do is going to feel a little different today. It's going to feel more like a little workshop than it does like maybe a normal Sunday. I just want to go through 10 thoughts on how I think very practically we could actually have our lives changed if we put some of these things into practice with how we relate to God. And, and I, mean, I meant that. I think these 10 things actually could change your life. And, and not because, you know, I thought them up. I didn't think them up. Just seen them in people's lives. And I've seen people's lives changed when they practice these kinds of things. So, so what we've been doing, this is the end of our series that we've been doing called This Is Us. Um, the idea is we've been looking at a book of the Bible, Hebrews, and we've been looking at chapter 11, where they basically list, the writer lists uh, a ton of different people that are kind of the faith hall of fame. The funny thing is, if you've been a part of the series, you know, the funny thing is all the people in the hall of fame have like serious issues. Like when you, it turns out that it's not really about the people in that book. It's about the fact that they had a God that was just off the charts that God's the one who's extraordinary and takes the, the like, tiniest bit of faith and does amazing things with it. And so we want to look again today at that. And today we're going to look at a person who's in Hebrews 11 who's just mentioned by name, nothing else, just they mention his name. His name is David. David was a king in the Old Testament, probably the, the biggest um, high moment of Israel's history is King David. And he has something that is said about him that, oh, I just wish would be said about me someday, and I'm not sure it will, but I wish these words would be said about me. Look at the word used to describe David. This is from 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. A lot of uh, history that happens here about the kings in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, and David's story is in these books. It's Go read it, uh, because we're going to hit on pieces of his story. 1 Samuel says this, there's actually a king named Saul that came before David, and Saul is being removed, and uh, there's reasons behind that, and he's being told that he's being removed, and here's why. It says, but now your kingdom, Saul, must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Do you wish those words would be said about you? A man, a woman, who is after God's own heart. Can you imagine if that were true of you? This is the description that we get of David. Man, I want that. Here, I, I'm going to give you, I, I, David had a special relationship with God. Here's the thing. There's nothing magic about David. Every person in this room can have a special relationship with God. And I want to talk today, we're going to go through these 10 things that I think can help us down that road to doing that if you look at the life of David. They spring right out of the scripture at us about how we can cultivate that kind of relationship. Okay, so what we're going to do is, when you came in, you should have got the bulletin. I hope everybody got one. On the back of it, there's little 10 blanks there. I'm going to run through 10 things. Again, this is going to be super practical. We're going to go through 10 things. When I'm done saying each one, 
what I want you to do is I want you to actually give yourself a number. I want you to say, if 10 is, man, I am, this is something I do. This is something that's really great about my relationship with God. Give yourself a 10. If you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not even in the ballpark at all with this. Give yourself a 1. You can go anywhere in between. But that's, that's how we're going to roll with this, okay? So, you guys ready? We're going for 10 things here that I think will help us tremendously with how we relate to God. All right, number one is this. Do I actually want this? Do I actually want to have a relationship with God? The answer may sound simple. Well, of course I do. It's not that simple. Uh, you know, I used to do middle school ministry for years. I actually love middle schoolers, so I'm glad the sixth graders are in the room. Some days I, would, I think I would like love to trade places with Chris Lagadros, our middle school pastor, and I'll go on the eighth grade trip and he can do this. Like I, I love middle schoolers. They're so great. One of the most profound conversations I ever had was with a seventh or eighth grade boy. I can't remember what grade he was in. But I remember talking to him, and I was talking about what it means to kind of have a relationship with Jesus. And he looked at me like in a seventh grade guy way, and he just goes, I'll get me honest, like... Um, I don't really want a relationship with anybody, you know? And I was like, that's so great, you know? Like, he just put it out there. And I just started thinking, like, there could be a million reasons why you don't want this relationship. First of all, maybe you got drug here this morning and you don't actually believe in this, right? That, that's a pretty good reason for it. Maybe there's some, some things that you doubt that are just obstacles to this. You're like, I don't know. Maybe you come from a tradition in church, where maybe you grew up, some of us in this room maybe grew up in churches where it was very high on tradition, very high on behavior, very high on um, kind of how the service worked, what you looked like when you were there. Maybe it was very high on obligation. Maybe you came into church with the highest value being tradition, and you're kind of making the adjustment from that into, actually, this is about a relationship. This is about not just you, your attendance in a place. This is about your relationship with God that impacts every single day and minute of your life. This is about passion. This is about, like, I know him. I know God. Look at what David does. Um, this is, I find this interesting from 2 Samuel in chapter 6. They're talking about David and they said, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. Man, trust me guys, I have never danced in front of anybody, let alone God. But do you get the passion there? This wasn't something that his grandparents did. This wasn't something that like... You know, I, oh, I'm just a Christian because my parents were, my grandparents were, blah, 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 you know, down the line. He did this because it sprung out of him. He actually knew who God was. For those of us guys in the room, sometimes I think there can be something a little maybe weird about saying, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. And I think about Jesus as like a 33-year-old male. I don't know. I'm not used to saying I want to love this 33-year-old male. Like, what are the things that, feel like barriers to us in this relationship that we can have with God. So the first question we got to ask ourselves is, do I want this? Do I believe it? Is this passion? 
Is this just me going through the motions? Or is this something that I desperately want and believe in? You've got to decide that. I want you to put down next to it, just write 1 to 10. Where are you at with that one? Uh, here's the second one. This is a mentor of mine used to say this all the time, and I think it's so true. Relationship, a great relationship is a function of time spent. The more time you spend with someone, the more your relationship will grow. Sometimes maybe if you're new to this and you're coming and you feel like, gosh, you know, like I'm, seems like a lot of people around here have this like tightness with God and I don't and it's new to me and why doesn't it just kind of kick in? It's like any other relationship. It takes time to develop. You have to have a history. It has to, it, you need that time day after day with God in order to feel that closeness with God. Guys, that can happen in so many ways. It can happen in the shower in the morning when you're talking to God, when you're driving down the road, when you're in that meeting at work where somebody really makes you mad and you stop and you start to talk to God about what's going on. When God starts to integrate into your life and all the time you are talking. And it can be this thing where you're trying to find out how is it that you best spend time with God. For me, I love to sit down in the morning, I get out a little journal, and I just start writing to God. That's my thing. I'm terrible at kind of out loud prayers or just, if I sit and try to talk to God in my mind, I end up thinking about baseball or something. I have to write it out. I have to talk to God on paper. Uh, David was the same way. You know that the Psalms, if you go into the book of the Psalms in the Bible and you see that, there's 150 Psalms that are written in there. They're prayers. David wrote, we think 73 to 75 of those Psalms are written by David. That was the way he communicated with God. He loved to write out his prayers. It became songs that people would actually sing. That was how he spent time. Guys, we said last week, opening your Bible, reading the Scripture, getting in there, reflecting on it, not reading it just to get information into your mind and trivia. That's not what we're after. That's school. This isn't school. This is you being changed as a human being. That comes when we open the Bible and we actually reflect on what's written in there. If you've never read the Bible before, try something this week. Start, open your Bible to the book of Luke and just start reading it. Don't have a time frame on it. Don't try to get through the chat. Read one verse a day if that's what it takes. But sit and reflect on it and actually ask God, what are you trying to say to me through this? Guys, when you do that, you're spending time. When you spend time with someone, you are building a relationship. A relationship, a good relationship, is a function of time spent. Don't kid yourself. It won't, it will not happen. I don't think to the degree that we want to in our lives if we're not actually investing our time into that relationship. Okay, give yourself a number. How are you doing on that? Number three is honesty. If you want to have a great relationship with God, you've got to be honest with God. I have a friend who lost someone when they were younger she told me that she didn't pray for 25 years because she was so upset and angry with God at what happened. And she had been taught when she was younger that it is a sin to actually be mad at God. And so her thought was, 
I'm just, since I can't express my anger at God, I'm just not going to express anything at all. I'm just going to keep it to myself for 25 years. That went on. Guys, that's a tragedy. Look at what David wrote. This is one of his psalms. This is from Psalm 13. I want you to see the flip side of what this can look like. Guys, and remember, the psalms is the book that teaches us how to talk to God. It's right here in the psalms. He says this. He says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long are you going to look the other way? It's like he just feels left out by God, that God has actually turned away his face from him and is not paying attention to him anymore. He's going through a hard time, and what does he do? He turn, Like David always does, he turns and he starts writing about it. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? How many of us right now could pray those exact things? you got something going on in our lives that you could pray that exact thing. And what, is, there a barrier, is there something inside of you that thinks, I can't pray that? That that feels like it would be too much in God's grill. Guys, this is an invitation to do that. Look, at he keeps going. Turn and answer me, O oh, Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I'll die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. Man, Part of this practice in relationship is being honest. Come on, think right now. Think right now of one person that you've got in your life that you have unresolved conflict with, that you have, you've chosen the route to not say something. You've chosen the route to not address it. Maybe it sat there for a day. Maybe it sat there, honestly, for years unresolved conflict has sat there and you know what happens. Maybe you still see that person and you smile and you be nice and you shake hands and you know what's going on in that relationship inside you. What you have is not a relationship. You have false harmony. There's a falseness about that. Some of us can go through our lives with God with a false harmony instead of truth. Because if we want to have a great relationship with God, the first half of honesty is to be truthful about our anger. And you see it. You see it in David's life. So I am so grateful that that's in there because otherwise we would be in trouble if we couldn't actually be honest with God. There's another part of honesty, though, too, that I want to hit on. It's not just our anger. It's actually being honest with God about ourselves. It's having the self-awareness that when we go off the rails, when we do something wrong, that we're straight with God about what it is. Um, The other day, uh, my wife, Karen and I, I came into the room. She was sitting there doing something. I said something to her that wasn't what I should have said. I walked out, sat on the back porch, and, you know, the way I'm wired, I'm moving on. I'm off to whatever it is that I'm doing next. A few minutes later, Karen walks out onto the porch comes and sits down right next to me, looks at me and says, can I talk to you about something? I was like, yeah. She goes, I didn't like how you said that. So she's practiced the first part of honesty here really well. She's upset. She's disappointed in me. She doesn't let it go. She says something to me. That's great relationship. I mean, she, if she hadn't done that, we could have sat there in this thing for, I probably wouldn't have remembered, but she might have thought about it for who knows how long, right? 
But it also gave me the chance to look at her and say, I'm so sorry. As, man, when we approach God and we tell God, God, I've blown it in this way. That's not something that our culture highly values, is to say that I messed up. It is of the highest value in the world of a relationship with God. So David, our boy, you know what? He, if you don't know his story, it'll blow your mind to see how messed up something he did was. Just briefly, think of it this way. He's a king at the height of his power. He sends out his entire army out to fight some war. He stays behind. He's strolling around in his palace one night, looks out over the city, and he sees this woman bathing. And like kings do that have no checked power, he basically says, let's get her in the palace. Sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, and then decides, this isn't, I probably shouldn't have done that. You know how I'm going to resolve this? Um, he calls ahead to the commanding officer because she's married to a guy named Uriah who's out fighting. He calls ahead to the commanding officer and says, hey, put Uriah in a position where he gets killed. He dies. And that's exactly what happens. King David not only commits adultery with this woman, he turns around, his, his way to s- solve the problem is to kill her husband. Unbelievable. <laughs> is that, that's, if you know that story, and uh, you're like, yeah, that's the story. No, 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 stop and think about it freshly. It's awful. This is what David does, and he's confronted on it. And he realizes what he's done is so awful. Look what he does. This is from Psalm 51, another one of David's great psalms. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Do you guys get the the level of like, oh my gosh, how awful what I've done? Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And and this Psalm 51 just goes on. I think part of the reason why David was a man after God's own heart is he's willing to come to God in just complete vulnerability and say, Here's my deal. Here's where I've blown it. Honesty in our anger, honesty in our confession. Give yourself a little number. How's that, how's that going for you in that building a relationship? All right, number four. Number four is, guys, to build a relationship with anyone, and it's no different with God, it has to be two ways. If you're like me, I will talk, 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 talk to God. Or I will write, 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 write to God. When do I ever stop and listen? When do I ever stop and say, God, would you actually speak to me? And I know for some of us that we don't, you know, practice this very often, that can be hard. I mean, I know, bless you. I know, and not just because you sneeze. God bless you, man. So, um no, we, I don't know why I did that. Um, 
we, we got to listen. We got to listen to the Lord. It, it can feel funny, I think, for some of us. Like even, I, I think there's a, um, there's a thing with me that makes it hard to be on my own. Um, uh, one of my heroes, faith heroes, is this guy named Dallas Willard. And he has some amazing things that he writes. And one of the things that he writes that actually terrifies me, scares me, is he writes, you actually um, will really struggle in your discipleship, your, your desire to follow, that's what that word means, Jesus, if you don't practice solitude. If you're not regularly getting alone and listening to God. The reason that terrifies me is there's not that much dopamine involved for me in solitude. Like, I like my phone. I'm an extrovert. I like being around other people. So to be alone like that sometimes feels, I, I, I almost can't stand it. Guys, what if this week, what if this week we tried for, we started with one minute. One minute of finding time where you get away in solitude, away from other people. The reason, one of the reasons why Dallas Willard says that is because he knows that every time we're around people, we are being defined about who we are from those people. When we actually get time in solitude, we get the chance to say, I'm not, I'm not going to be defined anymore by what other human beings think about me. I'm actually going to let God define who I am. You see Jesus all the time in the New Testament removing himself from people. He doesn't want people defining who he is. He wants God defining who he is. What's that practice of solitude look like? Could you get a minute this week? Could you, go to, could you expand that to five? Could you start to live into it? It'll feel funny at first. You're not going to hear anything at first. But over time, as we get that time with God, can we actually start to listen, not just talk to him? It needs to be two ways. Okay, give yourself a number. Number five, notice him. How many days, weeks, months can go by with us just living in our patterns and not actually stopping to think, did I see God? Guys, you know, you can go weeks at a time and go, yeah, you can't really point to anything where you think God actually showed up. Guys, I'll tell you, man, there is nothing like waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to see God today. I'm actually going to look for him. When this is over, go on a hike. Man, I'll tell you, you go up there and you start looking around right now, especially, guys, you will notice God at work. You'll see him in the creation. You'll see him in what other people are doing around you. You'll see him, hopefully, in some of the things this church is trying to do. There, God is constantly doing things. There's something called the prayer of examine. I want you to try this. Prayer of examine is at night, you go to bed, you lay your head down on a pillow, and you just ask a couple questions. Where did I see God at work today? And where did I not see God at work today? And you start to talk to God about that. You can also ask, where did I see God at work in me today? Where did I not see God at work in me today? The simplest thing, you sit on your bed at night and you reflect through your day and you go, you have this conversation with God about it and you notice, you notice where God is at work. Okay, give yourself a number. Number six, risk. We talk about this one a lot. Part of it is this is one of the foundational um, values of Ascent Church. We believe risk takes God out of fairy tale world 
and makes God actually real in your life. Here's the deal about risk. If we don't risk, we are only doing things that we can control. In that world, there's no need for God. It's when we move beyond our comfort zone and beyond what we trust, something into what God is actually asking us to do, that we actually get to see God do something. If you, if you go beyond what you can control, you give God the opportunity to actually show up in your life. Because when David goes out onto this field with a few rocks and he's up against this huge guy named Goliath, he is taking a massive risk. But I'll tell you what, once you risk something and you see God respond to your risk, whether that's quitting the job that you feel like maybe God's calling you away from, taking the job that you feel like God is calling you to, saying something to that person that you need to reconcile with, taking the risk this weekend even with a family dynamic that's got to be addressed somehow, you take a risk that goes beyond what you control and you actually see God respond, man, that's a game changer. That moves God into reality, not fairy tale, and now you can pull on that for the future when more risks come up. David did that. Call back in his mind to that moment against Goliath, that first huge risk that he took. Risk. Write yourself a number for that. All right, number seven is this. Do what he loves. You want to you build a relationship with God. Find, what does God love? What does he love? And now go do it with him. Uh, I knew that uh, Karen, my wife, was a keeper. When we were, I can't remember if we were dating or engaged, but um, one day we went to one of my favorite places. One of my favorite places in the world is Silverthorne, like the Frisco Silverthorne area. The reason is it's perfect because there's shopping outlets right there, and it's right next to the Blue River, one of the best fly fishing spots in the state, okay? I love to fly fish. So it's perfect because I can say to Karen, hey, uh, we should go for like a little shopping trip, shouldn't we? Like, you, you know, you probably want to get out and shop, don't you? And we get in the car and, you know, when her back's turned, I might slip the fly rod into the back trunk or something. You know, and we drove up. So this one time we go up there and we're doing shopping thing and, you know, so I say to Karen at the end of the shopping day, I'm like, hey, uh, could we like cruise over the river and just kind of take a peek in there and see what's going on, see if we spot any fish? And she says, yeah. So we go um, up to the dam. You know where the dam is up there next to the outlets? We go up to the dam, and there's this old bridge that goes across the river up there. You can't walk across it anymore, but you used to be able to actually go across this bridge. So we go out on the bridge, and we're looking down, and I've got my polarized glasses on because you need polarized glasses to spot fish. They, they cut the glare in the water. I'm telling you, it's like 15 bucks. It's worth it. So I get my polarized glasses on, and I'm spotting these, like, sharks. I mean, there's, the Blue River just has these rainbows, you know, and they're just they're doing this right underneath this bridge, and I'm like, oh. So I look at Karen, and I put on my biggest puppy dog eyes. You know, like, just, wow, look at those fish, Karen, and they're hungry, you know, and we got to feed, we can't sit and watch these guys be hungry. I happen to 
put the fly rod in the car. Do you mind if I just kind of go grab it for a second? And she says, yes. So I go to the car, string up my rod. The best thing is she actually stays on the bridge. So I get out in the water and I start, you know, casting away at these fish, right? I'm going for it. She stays up on the bridge with my polarized sunglasses and I'd like put the fly down, it would hit the water, and she would call out to me, oh, no, 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 you missed it by like two feet to the right. Go, go this way, two feet. I'm like, okay. You know, for half an hour, she's like coaching me on where to put the fly. I didn't catch anything fish-wise that day, but I caught the fish I needed, I'm telling you, and I knew it in that moment. Why? She was willing to do something that I loved, She didn't love fishing, but she demonstrated her love for me by doing something that I loved, and it built our relationship. Guys, what does God love? How could you get involved with what God loves? I guarantee you, there are people over there right now in the kids' rooms, and they're holding your babies. And those little babies are not going to remember who held them. They're not going to be able to look back and say, oh, man, this person that held me when I was in the nursery at church when I was little really changed my life. They're not going to remember that. But those, those people are participating in what God loves. They're holding those babies. They're actually growing their own relationship with Jesus as they do it because God cares so much about that. Guys, what is it that God loves that he might be calling you to get involved with? Might not even be something you love. But what would it look like to take that step and go, I'm going to build my relationship with Jesus by getting involved in what he loves. And again, this fall, the stuff we're talking about around the city, I hope you jump on board. I know God cares about this stuff. And that is one way we can build that relationship. Give yourself a little number for that. All right, number eight. Remember. One of the ways we can build that relationship with God, with our Lord, is we remember what he's done. Over and over again in the Bible, the word remember comes up. Okay, it's just this Hebrew word in the Old Testament. It's zakar. Okay, if anybody here is named Zachary, I know there's at least one Zachary in the room, Zach King. If your name is Zach or Zachary or you know someone named that, that's what you're named after. You're, rem- you're named after the command to remember what God's doing in your life. There's, there's something so important about you when you've seen God work in your life. Stop and just think for a second. Where is one area where you've seen God work in your life? We need to come back to that. And you hear it in the Old Testament continually. One of the biggest things that they would say in the Old Testament was, remember the Lord your God with an outstretched, mighty right hand, led you out of Egypt. It was this amazing miracle that God did. Led you out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into freedom. That's repeated over and over again. Because what happens is, is we stray away from God, or things get tough. We need to be able to call back on where God was actually at work. We remember when we do that. Okay, give yourself a little number for that. Ninth one. Who's influencing you? I had lunch this week with a friend of mine. He was talking about his daughter 
And he said, I'm, I'm just so happy right now because my daughter is developed some really great friendships. And then he said something that I had to get my phone out and write it down because I was like, man, this is good. And maybe everybody in the world has heard this saying before. It was new to me. He, he made this comment. He said, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me the friends you got and I will show you who you will be. It just made me think of David again. David's best friend was this guy named Jonathan. Jonathan and David were so close. The thing about Jonathan that's so cool, I, I can't imagine anybody more humble than Jonathan. Guys, pick up First and Second Samuel in your Bible and read these stories and think about what you're reading there. It's amazing what Jonathan was willing to sacrifice for his friend David. Are you telling me that didn't shape the person that David became? Who around you is inspiring you? Who around you do you go, man, that's, yeah, that's the kind of relationship that I want to have with Jesus. Do you have those people in your lives? Maybe you feel alone at school or work where you're like, man, I, I'm not seeing those kinds of people around me. Are there other avenues that you can look for that? Is it important to you to find it? Do you realize the importance of it? Is there a way that we as a church can help you with that? Guys, all those things, that's so key. Who has influenced you? All right, write yourself a number. Last one, number 10. What is it I forgot? What is it that, you, you know, maybe you do in your life that you're like, this is what really builds me with God? Would you take a second and write that in there and then do me a big favor and tell me <laughs> what it is that you wrote? What are the things that you do that's unique to you not my list, that you do that grows you in that relationship with Jesus. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a second here. Um, I want you to look now, take your thing, look at it. Look at 1 through 10. I want to give you like 30 seconds, just silence. Look at your sheet, and I want you to circle one of them. And I want it to be a moment where you're praying, going, I'm actually going to try this this week. I'm going to put this in practice. I'm going to try something new maybe, or I'm going to expand something that I've been doing before, but take it to a different level. Because that relationship is so important to me, 30 seconds in silence, look at your sheet, make it a prayer, and circle one of them, okay? Ready, set, go. All right, here's the good news. God's personal. You guys see that? He wants you. He doesn't just want your church attendance. He doesn't just want your good behavior. He wants you. He would not have come to earth if that were not the case. God actually left earth, came to heaven in the form of Jesus, in the person of Jesus. He didn't have to do that. He had options. Think about that. He did it for a reason. 
And part of that reason is he is a personal God who showed up in our world in a relationship with us. Came, lived, died, rose again. Amazing, amazing. One of the things about that good news that we get to celebrate that's, again, real practical, this is, is going to be a relationship-building moment with God here that we're going to do, and it's called communion. And if you haven't done this before, what we do is we're going to take a moment to celebrate something that Jesus asked us to do right before he died. So the night before Jesus died, he was actually betrayed by one of his close friends, which now think about that for a second. God allowed himself to have the relational vulnerability that he could actually be betrayed by a person he created. That's kind of amazing if you think about it. He's betrayed by his friend Judas, but before he dies, he says to them, they're sitting around eating, he takes bread, he pulls it out and he breaks it, and he says, this is my body, I'm going to die, this is my body that is broken for you, okay? And I want you, whenever you're together, to eat this, and I want you to remember me. And then he says the same thing about the cup, right? He takes this cup of wine, and he says, this is my blood that's shed for you. So I'm going to die on a cross. My body's broken, my blood is everywhere, and I'm doing this for you, for your sin. This is the cup. I want you to drink this. It's a sign of a new promise I have with you. We have a relationship. Whenever you drink this, remember me. We get to do that right now. I hope, guys, while we have a moment to take communion together, that you make it a prayer. Make it interactive. Talk to God. Is there something on this that, you, that hits you today? Or is there something else going on in your life where you just go, God, I need help. I need you in my life here. This is a chance to do that. Or maybe it's just a chance to say thank you. So the way we do it is we're going to get up, and then you'll go. There's a ton of different stations around here. You'll come, and you'll take a little piece of the bread, dip it, in uh, the cup there with, uh, I think it's grape juice, and then take it and just pray about that before you eat it, and then take a bite, and then have that be a moment, right, between you and God. We have an allergy-free station right back here at the very back, so if you need that, you can go back there, but let me pray for us. God, we are so grateful that you love us enough to have a relationship with us it wasn't just a project to create us. It was actually something that was filled with love, passion, and relationship. I pray, God, so much that uh, we would this week think about how do we put this into our lives? How do we implement this? God, as we take this moment to celebrate and remember what you did on our behalf, we pray that you'd be present, that you'd be real, and that you would help us to come to you with honesty and expectation. So, Lord, we give you this time, and we say, God, we love you back. In Jesus' name.